From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, welcome to Bridging Philly. For over 35 years, Lucy Camden has been lifting up Camden's youth by providing mentorship, guidance, and a non-judgmental safe space where kids can develop and grow. I recently toured their expanded facility and talked with some of the members about what's on the horizon. We are a queer identifying youth center, so about 35% of our youth identify as LGBTQ, and we have non-binary and trans youth that are considering transition process. Shara Day Howard's Newsmaker This Week started a new multimedia platform that focuses on lifting up communities across the city. We talk about the love often, but it's love now media. It's about acknowledging what's happening now and working to create something new. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and Antoinette Lee's Philly Rising Changemaker is a Delco woman known as Supermom. That's S-O-U-P-E-R. I felt bad about asking, and then somebody said, hey, you know, you're giving people an opportunity to help do good that maybe wouldn't be doing something or want to do, they want to do something and they don't know how or where or how to go about it. All that's on the way on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. I'm Raquel Williams. Lucy Camden, or Lifting Up Camden's Youth, is a comprehensive after school and summer youth mentoring program that's been enriching the lives of young people in the city for over 35 years. I got a chance to visit their brand new state of the art renovated space and sat down with them to discuss their plans for the future. Kristen Prynne is executive director of Lucy Outreach. Now tell me about this 16 years ago in a parking lot. This started with you. How did it all begin? Yeah, so I was uh, interviewing for jobs coming back from the United States-Mexican border. I'd done um, three years with a group of nuns, uh, associate missionaries of the Assumption, after college. Um, and was just interviewing for jobs. And there was like a Catholic youth group, Catholic youth ministry position that was open. And the priest called the nuns on the border and asked for a reference. And they said, Kristen's great with teens. We recommend her, but absolutely do not have her doing religious at her confirmation. And that's what I ended up starting with was running the confirmation program. And then really just within that first year, looking at what we were doing and realizing it wasn't meeting the needs of the youth. And um, just gutted the program and started from scratch and really utilized the voices of community members, youth parents, guardians, partners, educators to say, like, what do we really want this to look like? And I've just kind of been honored to be like an outsider, part of the part of the journey. Why Camden when you all started this? Why did you choose Camden? Sure. So coming. Um, so my family is Irish and Cuban. I really solidified my Spanish and became bilingual when I was on the United States-Mexican border. So moving back to Philly, where all my friends were, went to St. Joe's, went to college in Philly. Uh, Camden was just a great little town, a great neighborhood near Philly, where um, more than half of the city was Spanish's first language. So it was just attractive to me to keep my Spanish going. I love teenagers, small town, nine square miles, everybody knows everybody, just like a really welcoming, awesome little city, the best food in the region. Uh, so when I started interviewing, I interviewed for a few positions here and 
then came that uh, Catholic youth ministry job 16 years ago. Could you give me just a brief outline, and I know it's going to be hard because there are some comprehensive programs that you guys have here, but give me a brief outline of some of the things that you have to offer the youth in Camden. Sure. So after school evening, weekend, and summer is kind of meat and potatoes, and we're really teens. We love that middle school, high school age group, but we do start at 7, 7 to 11 for the littles, traditional five-day-a-week after-school program, and then evening programming like the social Youth Night Program, College and Career Academy, an LGBTQ group run by Cooper Medical students. We have a bike share program, pretty comprehensive summer program, summer camp and service immersion trips. And uh, we do stay. My uh, my heart is really with the alumni because those are, you know, my kids that I'm not a mom in my 40s, and that's kind of the group that raised me. And now to see them, you know, getting into home ownership, graduating college, going on to master's or PhDs, having an impact in the military, trades, technical programs, just very cool. Also, a big group of the grads are sending their youth to Lucy now, which is very full circle. I think the most powerful and rewarding, and I'm really counting down the days and looking forward to getting fired, is... Uh, f- former youth, again, that I had started with in the early years are now running the programs and now our entire staff. So that's um, something that you may or may not see at, at a lot of nonprofits, but that's what it should be, and that representation is so important to the youth that they see themselves in leadership and they see themselves um, in in the staff that they're looking up to and working with day in and day out. Uh, so it's just a special group trilingual group, uh, Spanish, English, and Vietnamese. Um, five of our nine staff are, um, are immigrants who have gone through documentation process and or been undocumented, which is very powerful and relatable to our families. And then two of our grads that are on staff have their own children here day in and day out, which is really uh, very um, motivating to all of us to see. Talk about the impact that Lucy Outreach has had in Camden and the number of uh, kids that you've reached over the past 20 years. Sure. Yeah, so I've been with teens for 20 years, but this is year 16 for, for Lucy, for us. For our active senior class, we're at all 453 active seniors once or more a month, two or more um, years, many five, eight, ten years, all have graduated high school. Um, and depending on the senior class, we're between 85 and 92 percent on to college. Now we're really prioritizing through college and graduating college. Uh, and then the remaining, you know, eight to 15 percent college, career, trade school, technical, and military. So that is one population, but uh, through the alumni network, I mean, probably 2,500, 2,800 youth have come through in those 16 years, typically serving about 500 youth and families a year. But with the new space um, tripling in size, we were almost 5,000 square feet. This is an additional 10 to make us 15,000 square feet. Um, we will probably jump to 1,000 to 1,200 within the first year or two. Um, tell me about the new space. What went into you know putting this new space together? Yeah, the space is really a dream. We dreamed big, too big maybe, uh, doing a $2.8 million capital campaign during the pandemic. 
which was a lot, but we were uh, extremely successful. We're at 2.5 of that 2.8, but really crossed every T, dotted every I. So um, as an example, with the LED lights, every time you walk into a room, the lights come on. Every time you walk off, walk out, they go off. Um, key fob system for security that certain youth in certain programs can only enter and exit through specific doors. Uh, certainly the HVAC, the heating and air are going to be low bills. Finally, um, we were chosen through Comcast to be a lift zone in Camden. So high speed internet in three of the rooms that could have about 200 youth and staff online, you know, on the high speed Wi-Fi at the same time, which is pretty awesome. Similar to a college or a library, if you will. My favorite in the front building and still kind of gives me goosebumps is we started 16 years ago in a parking lot, a church parking lot, meeting on steps. So all my old pictures of the youth are hanging out on these steps at the beginning and the end of every night. And we created those, recreated those steps at the entrance of the building to really pay homage to that first group that were so excited to be together and do activities with paper clips and a basketball. And here we are with, you know, state-of-the-art building, computer labs, vans, trips, overnights, an acre of land. So we, we wanted to shout out that original group that did not have uh, the luxuries that we will have now for sure. But yeah, it's just a really powerful space. I think probably my favorite, my background is in social work. I'm an LCSW. I think the therapeutic piece is, is sorely lacking in the city still, that so many of our youth are waiting six to nine months for psych eval, med management, counseling might just be like four to six sessions. We want to prioritize and provide individual group and family therapy upstairs, certainly. Even just getting a sports physical or uh, we are a queer identifying youth center, so about 35% of our youth identify as LGBTQ, and we have non-binary and trans youth that are considering transition process and working with the Coopers, the Virtuas, the Chops to make sure that all of our youth are seen, heard, supported, and all that they need. We did not have the capacity with the space or staff to do that in the past. In closing, what is it that you want people in the community to know who may not be familiar with Lucy? What do you want them to know about the work that's done here and the impact that it has on the youth in Camden? For me, it's just for individuals that aren't familiar to educate themselves on all the amazing things going on in the city and all the great uh, youth and families with incredible potential that can and will do so many wonderful things if um, people really start to believe in each other, take care of each other, support each other. Um, we have so many broken and racist systems in this country that um, we need allies to start tackling with us. And that access and exposure for our youth to even the playing field with surrounding communities is crucial. And so many can do so much. So we're in this together, but we can't do it alone. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so now we're here with Yan Nguyen, who is a program support worker with Lucy Outreach Camden. Yan, so what is your role here exactly as far as what you do with the youth uh, in the program? I mainly work on the back end. I take care of all the vendors, paying all the different vendors we have, take care of all the credit card transactions, 
Tell me when you start when you got involved with Lucy. I got involved with Lucy in 2013, which is my freshman year of high school as a youth. I graduated high school in 2017, went to Rutgers. I stayed involved volunteering. I started working here in my junior year of college, which is 2020, I believe. And I started out as a Lyft driver, and after I graduated college, they offered me a full-time position to help with a lot of back-end stuff. So you went through the program, and now you're working with the program. So it's, it's in a way, you're giving back. Yeah, for sure. Like, work don't even feel like work to me. I just come to work and just enjoy my day. I'm excited to go to work. For people who are interested in, in becoming uh, a part of... Uh, of the program and um, maybe want to join in the after school. Describe why this is a good program for for the youth of Camden. Uh, Since I went through the program myself, the best part about it is it keeps you off the street and it helps you with your social skills. Some of my best friends from school are from Lucy. Like We went to Lucy together and even now as I'm an adult, I still hang out with them almost every chance I get. So you were able to forge some friendships and um, and still friends with them. Yep, and also develop social skills. I learned, I really learned how to talk and open myself up and public speaking and all that. Since this isn't my first language, I, I grew up in Vietnam, so you know. Thanks so much, hon. Yeah, thank you. So Marley Medina, you are in charge of the after-school uh, program, the coordinator of the after-school program here at Lucy Outreach Camden. How long have you been with it? Um, the same time Kristen started um, at St. Joe's, so around 2006, 2007. I was one of her first youth um, through the confirmation classes that she was doing um, every Sunday. Okay, so you were part of the program, and now you are working with the program. Yes. Describe the, the, the experiences that you had with Lucy Outreach. Oof, where do I start? <laughs> Ups and downs, of course. Um, they have been very supportive. Um, I glad that we had this this program come um, around when I was a teenager. Um, it supported me through a difficult time during high school, helped me through high school with n- having no immigration status. From there, um, just helping me in adulthood, parenthood uh, with my children, um, giving the opportunity of my children to attend the program as well, and then giving me the opportunity to be a staff member in this building um, and just letting me grow in my leadership skills. So you, you, you would say that Lucy Outreach helped form your leadership skills that you're using today? Absolutely. So tell me about the after-school program in general. How many kids are here and what age groups do you serve? Um, right now, we have 78 youth registered. Our goal this year is to have 100 youth in our after-school program. Um, Average-wise, I want to say we have between 55 to 60 youth every day. It's Monday to Friday from 2.30 to 6. So what are some of the things that the kids do here at the program? So for after-school, we provide um, academic support and um, emotional, social, and mental support as well. So the youth would arrive, grab snack, then do homework for an hour to an hour and a half. They are welcome to do homework time the whole time they're here for after school. But around 4.45, we, we tell them to start collecting their home, well, putting away their homework, and then we're going to do a different activity every day. So we do STEM, music, arts, arts and crafts, and cooking, life skills, um, and then sports and other physical activities on Fridays. So this isn't a babysitting program by any stretch of the imagination. The kids come here with purpose 
and they are taught and they truly develop skill. Absolutely. Um, every day we are checking their homework. We're always involved in their progress report, report cards. We attend parent-teacher conferences if the parents invite us or if they have concerns. We have a meeting with the school. Um, but yeah, no, this is absolutely no babysitting. We always try to incorporate some educational and social skills um, for the kids. So again, they'll do different activities. Uh, we have presenters, so many of our community partners are involved. We have two guardians that started doing um, soccer and crochet so that like just the community comes together and getting involved for the kids. Josh Duncan Asse is founder of Love Now Media, a new multimedia platform that focuses on lifting up communities across the city. Sharaday Howard brings us our Newsmaker of the Week. Our newsmaker this week is an actual newsmaker who's using that Philly grit to do something revolutionary throughout the city. Her name is Joss Duncan Asse, and she founded Love Now Media in 2016. She describes the company as an empathy-centered multi-platform focused on storytelling that amplifies acts of love, social justice, and equity. She's recently been recognized by the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists for her work as a trailblazer, something she says is just following through with a promise to Philly to be an agent of love and wellness. Welcome, Joss, to Bridging Philly. Thank you for having me. Now let's start out with some truth-telling. You began your work creating this multimedia platform to bridge communities rather than divide them. And I think that's something we get here at Bridging Philly. Can you tell me why you're really invested in this? I wanted to do this work because I found that most stories these days, especially in mainstream media, are extremely polarizing and divisive. And there are all of these beautiful stories that are often untold. And so I started to see those stories and wanted to uplift those stories. And so uh, that's what I started doing. So this is really personal for you. Would you name it as a calling? An attraction. (laughs) I was definitely drawn to telling stories about people who were coming together, doing work to design and change the future, to create the future we want to live in. And you do it in so many ways. There's video, digital, audio. I think you even have print and live events. This really hasn't been done before or at least to this scale. This is considered really bold and new. So as a person who um, is, is very human, you know, I, I found that I was more well telling those stories. You know, when I was telling stories about, you know, pain and death and how mad we were to, at each other for our different political beliefs, I actually was was sad and unwell. And so uh, when I shifted my, my lens to see the love in the world, I, I got better, I got happier, and um, I decided to invite others to participate in that mission with me. So it's about leading by example as well. Yes, absolutely. Leading by example and, and leading alongside others who are interested in doing the same work. I think a lot more people resonate with the work we do um, <laughs> following 2020. And, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people have suffered from loneliness and they don't know how to really think about creating a new future or even envisioning or imagining a new future. And so love stories help us to do that. So this wasn't in reaction to just George Floyd and the pandemic. This seems as though it was right on time for the way in which we need to see the world again. It was like you you tapped into that. Well, I think it was already happening. Mm-hmm. I think I just challenged I challenged myself to ask different questions. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
we have become accustomed to asking the same questions, getting the same answers, and seeing the same frames in our world. And so I decided to center my questions in love, and I started to see things differently and wanted to, to share that, um, you know, through written works, through audio works, through video works uh, with the world. So it's a very deliberate gear shift. And you're saying this is something that you needed just as much as you believe the community needed. It was mutual, cyclical almost. Very deliberate. <laughs> very deliberate, very intentional and urgent. Um, we talk about the love often, but it's love now media. It's about acknowledging what's happening now and working to create something new. So it's also about being present. It's about being aware. So it's a self-awareness that you're calling on people to have and then maybe look through this new lens. I agree. It, it's a self-awareness. It's a self-love. It's the ability to empathize. I think oftentimes we carry stories with us and we don't realize that we're telling ourselves the same stories over and over again about um, about ourselves and about other people. So our work really challenges us to first um, think about who we are, what we feel and why we feel it, and to think about others in the same way so that we have more opportunities to connect. And you do it in so many ways. You have several different platforms that you use. Well, I'm a filmmaker by trade. So I started this work with a web series called Revolutionary Love Stories. Mm -hmm. And that was awesome. It was a lot of fun and I wanted to keep going. And so I started to build the infrastructure for the company and the team we now have so that we could continue to tell love stories. And then in 2020, we we took a deep dive into news. We started hiring reporters and, and journalists and, and poets to uh, look for love in the world and to tell stories about that. So we are a multimedia platform. Uh, we do film, audio, events, um, written digital works and printed publications. So let's talk about your most recent works. Now, I remember looking and seeing Nikki Powerhouse and how you were using poets to report. I mean, that is just, that's revolutionary. Well, thank you. Yes, we, we do work with seasoned journalists as well. Um, but I had this great idea because we have a lot of phenomenal poets in Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia is a city with like poet laureates and, you know, the poets are really trusted voices in, in Philadelphia. And so I had this great idea that we should you know, maybe have poets be the reporters. That didn't exactly work at first <laughs> the way we thought it would work. However, um, to simply invite the poets to write poetry about the news, it was like a perfect match. It helped to really give give a, a personal um, touch and, and personal views to help people to kind of process some of this, like this hard news, you know, national issues, international issues, issues that were a little too big for us to cover. Like we couldn't cover the the conflict with the Haitian migrants at the border or the overturning of Roe versus Wade or some of these bigger issues, right? We couldn't really just like cover that as, as, a, as, a, as an outlet, but we could ask our local poets to like help us process this. Almost like poetic therapy in some ways. 
Really, how do you do that? Where do you even start? What were some of the questions that you had to ask? What does this news mean to you? What does it do for you? Um, how, how are you feeling? Um, what stories can we empathize with? And our poets really brought it. So we have the Poets Press. So recently you were honored by a very prestigious local organization. Can you tell us more? Um, from the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. So I've recently been named Trailblazer of the Year by the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. And I'm really honored um, that people see this as trailblazing work. I feel like I stand on the shoulders of a lot of storytellers and griots who've been telling stories uh, in the same manner that I do for a long time. You're doing all of this, creating this infrastructure, taking this bold new step, all inspired by love. And we all know that love is a revolutionary act, especially in news. And maybe that's why you're being considered a trailblazer. I think I'm probably getting this award because I've built an infrastructure around it that um, not only serves me and my personal passion, but um, also serves others and and a community of folks um, who are able to engage with these ideas and contribute to it and also receive the outputs. So let's talk about the revolutionary aspect of it. So I'd like to end on this. What would you like to say to those storytellers who are looking to you as a trailblazer? Let's stand together in love. Like, let's like let's come together. Let's um, help each other to stay well. Let's help each other to continue to imagine the world we want to live in. And, and let's stand together in helping to create that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. More than 100,000 people in the U.S. are waiting for a life-saving organ transplant. More than 5,000 from this area alone show you support them. Register as an organ donor at DonorsOne.org and help save lives. This week's Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by... Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. Hey y'all, KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. This week we're highlighting a Philly Rising veteran. That's right, she's been on my segment before, but guess what? You keep doing amazing things and I'm circling back. So this week I talked to a Delco woman who runs a Facebook page called Super Mom Mom. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Miss Super Mom has been using her superpowers with the pots and pans to make a difference in the lives of survivors. Here's more. During the pandemic, Maureen Carreño became known as Supermom on a Facebook page she created to share her recipes. So it's I share recipes. I, I share photos of what I make, um, good, bad, and ugly. And then it kind of evolved with the pandemic into a place where I would post that I'm, I'm making big pots of soup. And then I did drive-by soupings all through the pandemic. The weekly soup drive-bys have ended, but the giving hasn't. Lately, Carreño has been using her passion and talent for cooking to help families fleeing abuse. They had a situation where their safe house closed and uh, they had put women up in hotels and families. So I did microwavable meals for them so that they could prepare them because they no longer had a kitchen because they're staying in hotels. They just had a mini fridge and a microwave. Recently, Carino wanted to help out more, but she wasn't in a financial position to do so. So she put out the call for help on Facebook and her followers delivered. They asked me again, hey, would you feed these families? 
And I said, oh, you know, I'd really like to, but my my pocketbook stretched a little bit thin here because I've had a lot of medical stuff and co-pays. And so I've been a little bit, a little bit more broke my mom than I was back when I did the drive-by soup things. And so I, I asked my friends, I said, anybody have, you know, like a spare turkey or something from a grocery store or something that they didn't get to? My my friends and the people who follow that page are so great. I got a bag, a, a woman brought over a bag with Cornish game hens and somebody brought bread and somebody brought uh, butternut squash the other day. People have brought over things that they weren't going to get to or they went and they bought things. I had people who asked, well, do you have an Amazon wish list? So they contributed to the Amazon wish list. It's just amazing. And then I felt bad about asking. And then somebody said, hey, you know, you're giving people an opportunity to help do good that maybe wouldn't be doing something or want to do, they want to do something and they don't know how or where or how to go about it. So it made me feel, it made me feel really good about humanity. As a domestic violence survivor herself, Carreño says she understands the importance of support and the kindness of strangers. And uh, sometimes it's financially hard. Sometimes it's emotionally hard. There, there's so many prongs to that, and I'm hardly an expert. I've just lived through it. And and it's uh, it's good to be in a place now where I'm um, a long time away from that. And I can see ways to help people that were me, that were just like me. She hopes to inspire others that. So it, it's all about using whatever resources you have to bring any kind of good you can into this world. I'm KYW's Antoinette Lee, and that's it for our Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. If there's someone making a difference in your community, I want to hear about it. I'm pretty easy to find. You can hit me up on Twitter at ARLE on Air. That's A-R-L-E-E on Air. Or call the station and let us know who should be our next Philly Rising Changemaker. Join us again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharaday Howard, and our podcast producer, Tom Rickert, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.